Hello, everybody. This is David Gray, news writer with the Lipson Parish News, and we are here today with Denham Springs Mayor Gerard Landry. Uh, well, I guess McHugh usually lets people introduce themselves, but I'll take that from him today. But, uh, That's quite all right. Yeah, yeah, so we're here, like I said, with uh, Mr. Gerard Landry. Uh, we're grateful that he's here today. He wanted to uh, talk about something that the city council and his office have been working on for, I mean, I was looking at a story today. It's, it was just over a year ago That's when uh, this issue really became came to the forefront for y'all. And we're talking about the wastewater treatment facility off of Forest Delat Road in Denham Springs. And uh, this kind of became uh, a topic for y'all when there were multiple large subdivisions that even though they're right outside the city limits, uh, that y'all, that would fall under y'all service. So, uh, so that kind of, you know, to give everyone a primer, that led to a, a moratorium last year on new connections to the uh, sewer system, uh, for large subdivisions, uh, and and that was to give the to give you and the council time to kind of investigate to see what was needed to to expand the services there. So I guess uh, you just kind of take away what kind of how how did this all start for y'all? All right, so uh, a little over a year ago, we started to hear uh, and see signs and uh, discussions at the parish level on large subdivisions in on down 4 H Club Road. And, uh, and then immediately, because we are in the business of providing services to our, our citizens, even outside the city, uh, because the natural gas, water, and sewer do go past the, uh, the city, limit, uh, city limits of Denham Springs. How many, uh, how many customers do you all serve? Uh, uh, somewhere around 4,000, mm -hmm. if I recall. Mm -hmm. So uh, what ha what's going on down 4-H Club Road impacts us because... Uh, whenever uh, the former administration went to the bond commission, of which we are still trying to pay off, for the construction of the new Denham Springs sewer plant on Forest Delat Road, uh, in order to make sure that we try to capture all the possible income, the bonds that were written have, uh, uh, have regulations in there that say we cannot allow anybody to operate a sewer system inside the sewer district. And the sewer district was, was drawn so that it would try to accommodate any growth south of, south of the city, which was a common place for, for us to think, or the logical place for us to think where, uh, where growth was going to come from. So the first, uh, I think it was the Deer Run subdivision, was the first one that we saw and heard of numbers in the 2,000 household range. And, but nothing ever, uh, nothing ever triggered it until we started to get closer to uh, that we, we're hearing more and more that it's actually going to happen. Signs went up. A discussion at the council meeting started to come up, but we still were never notified. And so uh, uh, about a year ago in April, I think it was, I said, I need to push the pause button here. So we called it a moratorium, uh, which sometimes is a dirty word, but we just pushed the pause button until the end of the year so that we could put our, our, our engineers to work to analyze what we do have and what we expected to have or what may have, what may happen. And to give people a little bit of context, not only was there deer run, 2,000 homes, there was also Sweetwater off of, also off of 4-H Club, and that's about 400, uh, less than 500 homes, like 450 range, I believe, I can't remember. Uh, and then there was also something I was not aware of until Mr. Eddie Idell spoke about it. There was an apartment complex in Juven, in the Juven crossing area, and that was like 300 units or That's correct. Like that. and, and deer run has 500 apartments, or just under 500 apartments in it as well. So, I mean, you're talking about the size of the city, essentially, added with just three that's big correct. developments. So that's kind of <laughs> made y'all think, like, hold on, let's, let's chill for a minute. Well, that's exactly right. So if you take the average of three people per household, 
you know, you're talking eight, nine, 10,000 people. Well, we only have 9,900 people in Denham Springs. So another community the size of Denham Springs right down 4-H Club Road on a two-lane highway at mm-hmm. that, right? And so uh, those are areas that we serve, water, natural gas, and sewer. And so when we pushed the pause button, it was on sewer only. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have enough capacity for natural gas. We have enough capacity for water. But sewer was a big issue. So a year ago, when I went to the council and asked for a, a moratorium to the end of the year so that we could do some analysis to see where we are and what we need to do. And it was passed, I, I believe correctly, unanimously, too. Yes. Uh, kind of, you yes. Know, I know, like you said, moratoriums are kind of a... Uh, a funny word with some people, but uh, it showed kind of the council's, you know, belief that, hey, this is something we need to investigate well, further. Our job is to make sure that we have the health and, and safety and welfare of our citizens at, at the core of what we do every single day. Having to offer clean, sanitary water to have natural gas and plentiful supply that they can use, be it during a storm or a, a winter storm when the demands are extremely high. Yeah. And sewer is exactly the same way. We have to be sure that we can, we can we have the capacity, and so we put together a panel. We uh, we had uh, two engineers uh, from uh, from uh, Fairburn and Associates and from uh, Fort and Tablada. Uh, we had um, uh, the, the council, the uh, parish council person, uh, John Wascom from uh, from Denham Springs, and uh, Aaron uh, Sanifer has been the most recent member added to the group, uh, but but before that, Bubba Harris was honored as well. Uh, we had one of our councilmen, uh, Robert Poole, was involved. So we had a good, well-rounded group of folks that we were trying to get some some information from to figure out what it is, where are we, mm-hmm. and what do we need to do. So the numbers... Y'all met, uh, how often did y'all meet? Was it monthly or, or every, no, actually, every other month? Actually, actually twice a month for twice a long time. Twice okay. a month for a long time. Okay, so I know yeah. you had, you had the luxury of sitting in on one or two. <laughs> I don't know if I'd call it luxury, but yeah. you were there, right? And and it's it's a, it's a long process to go through. Uh, but we would set out the, the discussion about what is the anticipated uh, growth and where do we think we're going to be. And it started off really with analysis of what our plant can handle. Mm-hmm. You know, our, our plant was built with 4,000, I'm sorry, 4 million gallons a day of treatment. Mm-hmm. The, for the short term, for a day or two, you could probably get by with 6 million uh, because of a rain event. Yes. Okay. So, you know, because whenever there's a rain event, uh, sewer systems are not exactly watertight and airtight. So there's cracks, and whenever the rain comes and it saturates the ground, that water works its way into the sewer system, which causes your problems at the plant. But there are overflow processes in place that we can store that extra water, uh, and we have two five-acre ponds that are rubber-lined, and everything is uh, up to code, if you will. And then once the, rain, uh, uh, once the rain has stopped, then we can pull the water back out and treat it. Okay, so, but uh, taking all that into uh, account, what we did was figure out that uh, we were averaging about 2.3 to 2.4 million gallons a day of treatment, yeah. fully within our capacity to do so. You can't rush it up. Microbes is what does the work. It has to sit into the system. It has to work its way from one tank to the next tank until the next tank until it finally comes out on the other end and it's chlorinated and then it's dumped back into, uh, into, the, uh, into the waterways, okay? Mm-hmm. And we've been so successful with that process that Grace Creek is no longer an impaired waterway. and about 250,000 gallons a day from our treatment plant go to the golf course at Greystone. Mm-hmm. And that's how they water their golf course. So it's a win-win for everybody to have that, that, that efficient uh, operation. So when we started looking at these larger subdivisions and you start to do the math, we said, wait a minute, we're going to be at 70% or more once this thing is built out. 
Now, look, it may take 10 years. It may take 15, 15 years. 15-year build, but who, 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 for deer run. But um, what else happens in the meantime? Yeah. Okay? And so we had to put together a process to make sure that we have the plant up to the most efficient uh, manner that we can. So there's... And it's usually, I believe you said in other meetings, uh, it's at 70%. When you reach 70% capacity is when you got to start thinking about, okay, what do we need to do to that's right. expand Federal, or, you know, uh, improve or whatever. So your federal guidelines say that at okay, 70 or 75%, it, yeah. you have to start looking at how are you going to make this thing either bigger, larger, or build another plant. Yeah. Because you, you can't operate at that capacity at that at that high number mm -hmm. uh, all the time. Yeah. So... Uh, that's where we would be right away, and that's one of my fears. And, and maybe did I, did I push it too prematurely? I can't say that I did. I think it was very timely in how we've done it. We've done our homework, and we have a plan in place to address uh, some some uh, some maintenance issues, some leftover flood damage, mm -hmm. uh, and then there's a a better program now in place with the uh, with the ordinance on how we can uh, charge the appropriate impact fees, uh, so a tap fees whenever uh, a new client comes on board. So, uh, so the, the moratorium was lifted. I believe that was in March. Yeah, when uh, when y'all approved the new ordinances and just kind of, I guess, bullet point uh, version. What what are those new ordinances for people who haven't read? So it only affects you if you're building a new house. Yeah, or yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Or, or are you trying to? Or are you trying to tie in? And there's impact fees that you have mm -hmm. to pay, and and that is a a common occurrence everywhere you go. Okay, uh, you know, typically we we don't operate to make a profit, but we do operate in order enough to maintain the quality of the services that mm -hmm. we provide. And, the, and that's the crux of what we have to do for gas, water, and mm -hmm. for sewer as well. Uh, we want to serve everybody that we can, but we have to be sure that we can do it the correct way and efficiently. So um, the ordinance, the only thing that we did on the ordinance, uh, the, the fees are the same. The, uh, uh, the, uh, the process is still the same. The only thing that we changed was put it into brackets. Mm -hmm. So from zero to 50 homes, it doesn't require council approval. From 51 to 150, I think it is, uh, then you have to pay a certain percentage of the impact fees up front. Half. 50, 50, I think it was 50% uh, of the impact fees. And if you're gonna bring in more than 150, you're gonna have to pay all of the impact fees up front. And this is the only way that we could guarantee a large subdivision that we can serve him. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what impact fees are for, is how does a new development or a new house coming into the system impact you? And you can charge for that. And that's where we are right now. So now we've always had the ability to charge all the fees up front anyway. The thing that was really upsetting is that we didn't know what was going on. Nobody ever came to us and said, we're going to do this subdivision. This is how many houses it's going to have. And so we had no idea. We just had to speculate what it was going to be. Has that, is, is that, how does it typically happen? Or is that the typical process whenever well, there's big? Typically, they would go through the, uh, the engineer that we have assigned to our mm -hmm. sewer. We don't have just one city engineer. We have several. And, and they would have conversations with the engineers or the architects from the uh, developer mm -hmm. and, and, and have a discussion about what are we doing, how are we going to do it. They may... They may say, look, we're going to put in eight-inch pipes, and we may say, well, you know what? You can probably get by with six. Or if it's a water issue, you know, don't make sure you don't have a dead end. Make sure the whole thing is tied in, into a loop. There's all kind of nuances that go into water, gas, and sewer to make sure that it operates the best way that we know how. And uh, the reason that we instituted or implemented council approval is that we wanted to make sure that we actually knew what was going on. Yeah. There was not enough communication at all to let us know what they were doing. 
And so we were kind of caught on the, on the tail end of the project. Well, wait a minute, <laughs> we can't serve 2000. Yeah. But you know, now that we are in the process of where we are right now, we feel fairly confident that we possibly could, but we still don't have a set of plans on this big, this big development. Okay. Yeah. And, and so we don't know. And before we get into that, cause that's kind of, you know, what, uh, Borough listeners kind of led to that. That was a, a topic at the last planning commission meeting when Deer Run, and uh, that that has been the controversial development in Livingston Parish over the last. It's, yeah, it's been over a year now that this has been kind of like in the in the system. Uh, the planning commission approved the second preliminary plat for the development, uh, but there was some talk about connecting to the city's wastewater system. But before we get into that, I, I do want to bring up one thing that. I think people would want to know about is at the last council meeting, y'all approved, I believe, uh, to, uh, I think y'all, the council accepted a bid for grit removal. Was that correct? And that's something that, uh, that through this, through this moratorium, when y'all are having these meetings, y'all kind of learned that there's a lot of grit built, built up in the bottom of these basins that if they were to clean, I mean, you could save, you would be able to clear up a lot of capacity. There was, there was four or five issues that we discovered. One of them was the grit removal. One of them was the filter replacement at the bottom of those tanks, uh, water infiltration during rain events. And so there were several issues that we discovered that we really needed to address. And you're right, at the last council meeting, we just approved the bid. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? The next day, the guy said, I can't do it for that price. Oh, God. Uh, so, you know, here we are. And uh, is there legal recourse? Mm-hmm. Probably. But you know what? In the reality of it is today, things mm-hmm. change on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that long ago we had to approve a bid for Ohamon Highway because we have natural gas on Ohamon Highway and Baton Rouge is expanding Ohamon Highway to five lanes. Mm-hmm. Well, we have to relocate our, our gas lines onto the servitude. Well, guess what? The bid for the gas pipeline, the, get the, the actual gas pipe itself, the bid was only good for 24 hours. Now, how in the world... I, mean, I, I couldn't even get the turnaround. I couldn't go buy the the material in in, in, in 24 hours. My goodness. The, what was the reason for that? Uh, the, the, uh, the market? The the, yeah. Oh, okay. The market, yeah. Mm-hmm. So so the grid issue was, was partially because of all the uh, infiltration that happened after the flood. Mm-hmm. And and the sand the sand filters are doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing, which is to, to keep the grid in there. Uh, but we never knew exactly how much it was until we started this process a year ago. And look, by doing all the things that we hope to get done and accomplished in this next, let's say, months or maybe a year, uh, should bring us back up to the capacity where we feel comfortable accepting all new customers. And uh, on that same uh, note, uh, so like we said, this came up at the last planning commission meeting. And uh, I guess for you, what, what exact, so you, you kind of mentioned a few minutes ago as well that y'all have not, the city has not been presented any sort of construction plans for deer run or what would be required to uh, to have it connect to the city or anything like that. None, was, none whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Discussion between uh, Fairburn and Associates, who is uh, kind of the main engineering firm that helps us with our sewer issues, mm-hmm. uh, has had some discussions with uh, the uh, engineers from the other group. Uh, and it was just a general conversation. Yes, if we do all these things, uh, you know, this is probably what they were asking questions. And, and we want to serve everybody that we can, but we have no hard information to go by. Mm-hmm. How many is going to be in the first lot? How many gallons do you anticipate? And, and it would, none of that stuff was discussed. Mm-hmm. So we have not given uh, a letter of acceptance. We have not given a, uh, a capacity letter. Mm-hmm. So uh, that kind of caught me off guard, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah, I was texting you during the meeting, and I remember you just uh, what? You seemed a little, uh, yeah, a little, but like you said, this is a, uh, 
but y'all are willing that that was that, that was uh, and i think that might have uh maybe the engineer given a benefit of the doubt he was uh trying to just say that express that thought that y'all are willing which i mean y'all have said that i mean your ordinances just you know give give you a little bit more uh bites to be able to to be able to you know get more to we're, be able to help expand your services, but y'all are willing to work with anyone. Well, of course we are. We're in the business of selling gas, water, and sewer. Yeah. I mean, that's what we're supposed to do. I just don't have enough information to say, yes, we positively will. Mm-hmm. And and they have not been told that. So uh, what, what else? What, uh, well, I guess the uh, grit remove, I was unaware of the, <laughs> the bid uh, right. the, the bid winner uh, backing out the next day. Is there is that going to be brought up again to the council? Of, yes, we'll have uh, to go advertise again. We'll have to go out again and try to get some more bids. And, uh, of course, we can always go back to the second person and see where we stand. I'm not exactly sure what the numbers mm-hmm. were today. Uh, but that's just that just happened. So yeah, yeah. Well, what? Uh, so what were some of the other issues? Because like I said, grit removal was the big one that Mr. Idell was, and he seemed to be the one who kind of had the the best grasp on uh, on what needed to be done. But what what were some of the other? You kind of mentioned a couple of. Well, them. so so AFA was the design team mm-hmm. that put together the plant uh, back in '08 or '09, whatever it was. And so they're they're the resident experts on our system. And there's no canned package that you can just go out that anybody can look at and say, oh, okay, I know what to do here because they designed it and mm-hmm. they designed it with help from some, uh, some folks that were uh, employed at, uh, by, the, uh, by the city at the time and the best, uh, best operating uh, practices that they were able to obtain. Uh, so, uh, yes, they, uh, they are the guys that help us figure all this out. And it's, he said, uh, I was looking at some of my notes, <laughs> it could possibly clear, clear 20 to 25%. It, it's very well could be. So the, the, so the grid infiltration is left over from the flood. Uh, one of the other things was the filters, and we're looking at maybe the, the changing or whatever, but I think we decided to stay with the same filters because they've lasted now 15 years and have served us well. And the other big issue is, is water infiltration. So what that means is we actually have to set up a program where we can systematically smoke test all of our sewer lines from the north part of the city all the way down to the, uh, the, into the sewer district to si- find where there may be cracks in the pipe or whatever. So what we literally do is you go to a manhole, you pump it full of white smoke, and you look to see where it comes up. Mm-hmm. And when it comes up out the ground, you GPS that location. Uh, it comes into, it come, it, sometimes it comes into people's homes. It's, it's harmless white smoke, but that means they have a, a broken toilet seal or, or something else, that, or they may have an open cap. Uh, in their yard where their sewer ties in it, and we'll see that. So we can, those kinds of things we can address right away. Uh, if there's a significant amount of ground, uh, smoke coming up out of the ground, we GPS it, and then we, once we finish the testing, then we'll go back and we'll go back to the GPS location and actually have to dig it up and try to find a break. Is there anything else about the wastewater uh, treatment facility that you think people would want to know or something that maybe you didn't even know? Uh, well, <laughs> you because I imagine during these means over a year, y'all learned, y- y'all got quite a bit of uh, information. Well, you know, the old mayor is not necessarily an expert on anything, but, <laughs> but I'm a willing uh, a student and we try our very best to do all the research that we can. And thank God we have enough quality, qualified engineers and uh, people that help us in City Hall. Um, and just, uh, I know we, you, we want to talk about, we want to save kind of this topic for another podcast. Uh, traffic is also another issue, uh, for each club, but it actually came up a good bit in the last few council meetings with the, with the council's, uh, discussions on a, on a small little townhouse development at the triangular corner of Russian and 4-H club road. And it kind of just brought up a larger issue of. Traffic, of course, in the city and traffic on 4-H Club Road specifically, I think that's one you called what the worst 
intersections yeah. in the city. Uh, I, like I said, this is a this will be a, a future podcast devoted solely to traffic. We could probably talk about it for 30, 40 minutes, but just kind of just list some of the things, I guess, if you want to just some of the stuff that the city or that you are a part of uh, plans to just kind of improve traffic in the city. Because like you said, it's it's, it's an issue that you were tell, talking to, about some of the plans earlier. This is 2027, 2028. I mean, years down the road, but you have to start now. So we saw a tremendous turnout and a revolution for some of our citizens because of the 10 townhomes. Mm -hmm. That's 20 cars, maybe 25 cars, and the impact that it was going to have on traffic on Vincent Road, Rushing Road, Florida Boulevard, and, and everywhere, okay? And it may seem very small, but you know what? If when you live next door to it, it's a big issue for yeah. you, right? So I'm not trying to discount that. Uh, but on some of these developments, we're talking five or 6,000 cars a day. And uh, the biggest issue for us is 4-H Club Road. Now, 4-H Club Road is a state highway. I have no control over what happens on 4-H Club Road at all. Mm -hmm. My biggest concern is that we, we're forgetting the, the safety of our citizens because if I have to send a fire truck down to somebody's house to make a rescue or to put out a fire, and that fire truck goes down Range Avenue, well, everybody got room, they can move over to one lane, and the fire truck can come on through, right? But if you have the same scenario on 4-H Club Road, there's no place for those cars. They can't even pull over on the side of the road. So I don't know how much longer that fire truck or rescue vehicle would be delayed in trying to get to a large subdivision like that. Yeah. And if you have a 2,000 lot subdivision, how long does it take to get from the front of the subdivision to the back of the subdivision? So there's things that the traffic are really, uh, uh, we need to study that a whole lot more. And you're right. So, you know, we've worked with uh, Rogers Pope and Buddy Mincy trying to secure some, uh, some grant money, and they're working closely with DOTD to get some of these projects going. But yeah, we'll talk about this next time, but there's a whole lot of roads that people are complaining about that are all state highways mm -hmm. that I can't touch. And then there's five or six of them that I want to do that are inside the city. And they're still, and Buddy Mincy and, and Rogers Pope are trying to help us get, get some, uh, some funding for that under the 80 20 match, where I'll pay 20% and the, the feds will pay 80. And now we've got to get federal highways involved. <laughs> okay. And so it just continues to get worse and worse and worse. And here's the biggest thing, right? The, uh, the construction on the interstate is really going to make it a whole lot worse. And that won't even start for a year. And I, I, I refreshed my memory yesterday because I'm vice chair of the Capital Region Planning, which talks about traffic all over the area. And so I called Sarai's to get a confirmation. And the completion of the interstate is going to be five years away. We have some serious issues that we're getting ready to come across. I know you sat in with some of our commuter crew meetings. Yeah. And where we're, this, we're the first city to implement uh, carpool, vanpool, uh, ride share, and that sort of thing. And all that's going to come out in the very near future. So there's a lot of things that we do need to do and are willing to do, but uh, we just, it's going to take us a little while to get there. So I look forward to the next meeting. We could talk about transportation. Yeah. Yeah. And then maybe one day we'll talk about uh, something more, a little more uh, upbeat. One day. <laughs> Who knows? Exactly. But, uh, well, uh, again, this is David Gray, news writer with the list of parish news. Uh, thank you. Denham Springs mayor Gerard Landry for sitting in and kind of giving us an update on the city's wastewater uh, treatment facility. And then that, like I said, that little, uh, a little preview of a traffic podcast to be coming up because that is the traffic drainage flooding that that those are the issues you hear uh, in the city but in the parish at large exactly. and i mean that's kind of what happens when you grow by fifty thousand people in 20 years <laughs> and, and, and that's nothing that's totally unique to denham springs mm -hmm. if you look at cities across america it's the same problem everywhere you go yeah uh, but we should learn from what everybody else's mistakes and try to fix it. Well, thank you very much. Thank you all for listening or watching, however you're uh, taking in this podcast, and we'll see you next time.